I could not be more excited to have my good friend, colleague, peer, and overall brilliant soul, Julie Solomon, on the podcast today. Now, here's the thing. I actually came into this podcast a little tiny bit worried that I was going to make this a complete catch-up of amazing brand and marketing. And I thought to myself, well, wait, 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 no, I don't, I'm not going to silo this conversation to that because there's something so much more powerful about what Julie brings to the table. And regardless of what it is you do professionally, regardless of what your passion is, regardless of what you're running toward, I couldn't think of a better person to talk about the things that truly, truly matter. And Julie recently wrote a book and I was just saying, right before we pressed play, I was like, I love seeing amazing people write amazing things. And now we get to have an amazing conversation. And her book is basically killing the game. We're so happy that she is here and she's a podcast host. She does amazing things. She's coaching. She has masterminds. So she's coming here to share what she's learned and what she knows about awareness, acceptance, and action. And we're going to talk about up-leveling your productivity. And that also leads to success in all parts of your life. Now, I don't know if I could like say anything more. So Julie, welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. I am so happy you're here. Uh, I am so happy to be here. You know, we we go, I feel like I'm going to say like we go way back because in mm-hmm. this online space, mm-hmm. like I've, I've known you, I've been blessed to know you and I met you years, probably over five years ago by this point, had you on my podcast way back when, which we need to get you back on. I was thinking about that today. And then I've just, I've just gotten to know you and your family and I just, I love when I get to have conversations with women who inspire me, who lift me up, who I know talk the talk and walk the walk and you're that. So I'm so Mm. grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. On a completely unrelated side note, that's nowhere in my notes. I was thinking back and I'm like, when, because it feels like I've known you basically forever. And I started going into the archives of my mind to be like, when did I actually meet? Because we connected online. And then when did I actually meet Julie? And I think, and I have to say just gratitude for this moment. I think that in every iteration of my life and every chapter, I meet people that teach me how to up level energetically, intellectually, emotionally. And I will say that like basically being a brown girl from the hood, there's so much about life. There's so much about Los Angeles that I just never, even though I was born and raised here, had access to. So I believe the first time you and I met, you invited me to you invited me to a place called Soho House in Malibu. And I have to tell you, Julie, I acted like I knew what the heck Soho House was. But like when I pull up and we have to wait because you can only get access by way of somebody else. And the somebody else was you and your amazing husband and partner, John. So I'm waiting nervously. And my myself, my husband, JD, we're about to meet Julie and John. And we walk in and these beautiful oak paneled walls and then these expansive views of the Pacific Ocean. And we sat outside and we had conversations, but just real conversations about what it meant and the journey to be creative and the journey to write and talk and be passionate, the journey about building a personal brand. And it was in that moment that I just didn't up-level intellectually by the conversations that I had with Julie. She was pushing me, but it was also in exposure, exposure to what life could look like and what was available for those who worked hard. So before we get into the conversation, I just want to like acknowledge that moment and say thank you. Mm, Well, as a little 
I girl from trailer park, I can say <laughs> that being able to go <laughs> to <laughs> being able to go to places like Malibu is so expansive. It's it's part of this idea of what's possible, which I talk a lot about in the book. But what's so interesting, and to reflect that back to you, is is I already saw that in you. I was like you know, to me, you were someone that I'm like, man, I mean, Jasmine is the real deal. I, I want to connect her. I want her to speak on the stages that I speak on, if that helps her spread her message and her voice out. And I think that it's so interesting how sometimes others can see in us what we can't see in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when we're really able to reflect that back to one another, I think that's where like real impact is rooted in. So mm-hmm. I love that we were kind of both having a similar experience at the same time. <laughs> okay. So actually that leads to one of the first things I want to ask is like when you and I, because you and I are so in alignment about everything we teach, preach, believe, and then practice because it's one thing to know all those other things but without being a practitioner we actually don't know the veracity of our beliefs so julie is a practitioner in that she creates she does she writes she speaks and she empowers but oftentimes i think it's easy for people to maybe look at anybody you me sally john jameer whatever and they say oh well like you can be yourself or sometimes they hear, well, just be yourself. Now I know that a lot of people are hearing this and before they get into the business or personal branding or expansion or PR or productivity, it's like, how can you expand on that phrase when some people are like, just be myself? Like number one, who is that? And I actually don't want to be myself. Like where, how do we get there? That to me is like a foundation that we can expand on. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's kind of a little bit part of, of like a hero's journey of sorts. I, I was so tired of, people telling me to just be myself, I wanted to like bash my head against the wall. I'm like, if it was that easy, then like everyone would have what they wanted and the world Mm. would be this amazing place. And, you know, conversations like this wouldn't exist. So clearly, yes, I want to be authentic. Yes, I want to be seen for who I am. Yes, I want to be loved for who I am. But how do I get there? And for me, Mm. it was this journey of a, a lot of kind of going back to really understand where I came from and why I believed the way that I believed and why I thought the way that I thought and why I felt the way that I felt that then got me to a place of understanding, oh, this is why I can't, I can't be myself. I want to be myself, but I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that is. So how can I tune in and tap into that if I don't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it on this deeper level? And so for me, that was going back to the root, which I call your origin story. And we all have one, you know, our origin stories. You you hear about them in like Marvel comic books and DC comic books and every superhero has an origin story. But to me, they're really, they're the, the stories that make us who we are. And they're, you know, back from our days of origin, they're the you know, what we were told growing up, what we were told to believe growing up, the institutions that we were, you know, a part of growing up, you know, maybe if we were in any kind of religion or indoctrination in that way. And all of these things start to make up the way that we think and feel in the world. And so for me, my origin story was one of mass scarcity. I grew up with not a lot of money. My dad literally lived in a two-bedroom shack with eight brothers. My grandparents had second grade level educations, you know, very East Tennessee, Appalachia, backwoods, trailer park type of life. My dad literally wore a blue collar to work every day. He never went to college. My mom never went to college. And so I was always around this idea of it's never enough. If we just have enough money to pay the bills, then we're good. If we just have enough money to get milk, then we're good. If we just have enough money to do this, to do that. And, you know, my dad punched the clock 
you know, he worked, he worked the night shift and it was a struggle. It was hard on my parents. It was hard on their marriage. It was hard on my dad's, you know, emotional well-being. My dad also had a lot of addictive personalities and he drank a lot. And so just all of that attribute to this, it's not enough. There's never enough. I'm not enough. And so stepping into that as a little girl, I was like, that's how I viewed the world as it never being enough. And then my parents divorced. I moved to the big city of Nashville, Tennessee, because I was in a very small town at the time. Um, and my mom met and married my, my now step stepdad who, and this was probably when I was about 13 years old, um, who had a lot of money and came from a lot of wealth and came from a lot of abundance. So I was immediately like, you know, girl with like the dirty clothes and like sometimes kind of stunk, you know, is like now thrusted into this high society lifestyle, which made me even feel more shame because now it's like, oh, I have this opportunity for all this possibility, but this isn't really mine. I don't belong here. I'm just here because my mom married this great man who now wants to try to gift me more opportunity and a better education, but this isn't really where I come from. And so in some ways, it was like I wanted to honor where I came from by not allowing myself to see what was possible and to see that as a gift. And then just my worthiness was in the gutter. I didn't think that I was worthy of being able to have this because I was so tied to that origin story of limitation and scarcity and not enough. And so then I was in this kind of seesaw for a very long time of you know, I have this possibility for more. I can see that, 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 that there's more possibility, you know, as opposed to a lot of my cousins and my grandparents that never even knew that the things that I was experiencing was possible. But I didn't believe that it was real for me. I didn't have the courage or the strength or the, the, the self-value and self-worth enough within me at the time to believe I was worthy of that. So then that catapulted into years of, you know, putting on all these different masks to try to fit and mold and assimilate and shape to be whoever anyone else needed me to be. It caused a multitude of really messed up belief systems around money, which I'm happy to talk about and we can talk about. Um, and that all compounded to there was one day that I was sitting on the kitchen at the kitchen table and my husband called me. This was about two, three years into our marriage. And he said, Julie, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? And in that moment, it was like my throat fell into my stomach. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, my biggest fear of all, which is my fear of being found out is happening my fear of being a fraud is happening because my husband had found out that I had been hiding over $30,000 of credit card debt from him. Ooh. And it was in that moment of like, holy crap, my whole world is coming to a close. And now I can't, I can't, I can no longer stick my head in the sand. I can no longer justify and rationalize, you know, what got me here. I can no longer do any of that. I now have to face this. And I'm happy to share more about that, but I wanted to talk about the origin story because it was really, you know, 30 something years of those belief systems that led me to a place where I thought hiding credit card debt was okay, or that I could somehow magically figure out a way to get out of it and why I had debt in the first place. And, and so it, it compounded into a lot of, a lot of really layered things with money for me. 
Okay, so the title of your book is Get What You Want. So now we understand the deep complexity that leads Julie to where Julie gets to be somewhere in her 30s. Okay, fine. But there is this thing on the outside that people see very successful, very driven. So from a career perspective, you get in and you are teaching people how to build brands and you are teaching people how to become essentially their own PR, although you encourage and tell people to invest in that and all those good things. So at what point is Julie realizing that there's an intersection between the business and the brand that she makes? Because you didn't write a book called like Branding 101 and you didn't write a book called PR whatever. So what happens here? Like what is happening on this origin story? Like all those things. Is this like a coming out for you? Is this a shift? Is this the foundation to building your, like where does, talk to me about how this book came because I feel like I have other questions, but I'm like, no, no, no. I need to connect this selfishly for me, but also for the listener. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I was doing, and traditionally my background, for those who don't know, I, I went to college for journalism and PR. Um, as I mentioned, you know, my, my parents never went to college. That was a big deal. I had student loan debt, you know, moved to New York, was trying was trying to like make it. And because of my belief systems of not being worthy enough, I am a heck of an achiever. I'm an Enneagram three to the bone. I am relentless and I will just go and go and go and go because I had this desperate desire to prove to myself that I could make it and I could make it on my own and I didn't need anybody and I could make money and I'm going to make more money than anyone has ever made money before. And that's enough. But, but my why behind that was non-existent. And Mm. so on the outside looking in, And what's interesting about PR, a lot of it is perception. So it's like, well, of course I got into PR because I wanted to be perceived as, you know, I have it all together. I'm successful. I'm amazing. And the truth of the matter is like, I am really good at what I do. You know, I have a background in it. I've been doing it for over 15 years. I've, I've learned the ropes. I can coach, I can teach. But my problem was that I could make a lot of money, Jasmine, but I would spend it faster than I could make it because I wasn't, I didn't think I was worthy of having it in the first place. Mm. And so that was my issue Mm. that I could make a lot. I could manifest what I want. I could be relentless about it, but I would spend it faster than I could even think about because of that worthiness piece. And so So spending money, so spending money for you was worthy. Yes. Like being able, being able to go and buy whatever I wanted without having fights about it because my parents would fight about it or without having to nickel and dime myself. Like that was like you're, you're wealthy. Like if I could go to TJ Maxx and buy a pair of jeans and they're not on the sale rack and I don't have to ask permission from anybody, I've made it like that. That was my thought process. And so I wanted to just stick my head in the sand and spend my money and not have anyone and not have to answer to anybody and not have to say anything to anybody. And it worked until it didn't. And then slowly but surely, and I would justify things. I would say like, well, it's not like I'm going to Rodeo Drive and buying Hermes bags. You know, I'm buying a shirt from Zara or I'm buying some lip gloss from Sephora or I'm going out to lunch with a friend. So I would have these these delusional rationalizations and justifications of my spending. And I would just keep saying, well, I'll just make more. I can just make more money. And so I would just be on this hamster wheel of like, well, if I'm in more debt, I'll just make more or you know, I'll get this new PR gig and I'll pay it off before my husband has to worry about it. Or, you know, I would just make up all of these things. And I was too ashamed to tell him because, you know, it was kind of like my self-sabotage and my upper limit. Like I had put myself in the debt and then I wanted to get myself out of the debt to prove to myself. And it was just this really vicious cycle. And so 
Hang on, Julie. But don't lose your thought because going back. But Okay. So I want to make sure that we're all connected here because it is easy to look at somebody else and then immediately find similarities. But specifically, when you look and hear Julie talk, you might be feeling immediately differences. You might not be an overachiever. You might not feel the necessity to splurge in any way, shape, or form. You might not ever feel bad or guilty for responding or not responding to a partner. I just want to pull out what is the undercurrent because Julie's done a lot of internal work and a lot of work with others to actually understand that we all have triggers and outward manifestations of behaviors from inadequacy, fear, doubt, upper limits, childhood trauma. Okay, so we're looking at this and I don't want anybody here like well that's not my that's not my thing because we all have a thing and so I want to actually go through the process of what Julie's doing because if even if money isn't your thing it could be a relationship it could be weight yes it could be drinking it could be food it could be yes. sex it could be absolutely all these things so what girl why are you calling me out girl don't don't call me out don't call me out no so I want us to now going through this mass like enlightenment what we hear is a woman who is doing the thing that she wants and for all intents and purposes on the outside looks great, is doing great, but on the inside, something's going on. Mm -hmm. So for all of us as we listen, I think that before we go anywhere, three seconds of you asking yourself, what is it that I am trying to gloss over? Mm-hmm. Is it negative self-talk? Is it food? Is it sex? Is it any any indulgence? Because once we go there, everything that Julie talks about awareness and productivity and all those things, it will be a massive breakthrough for you and not just personal, but also business. So I want to make sure that it's like, woosah, y'all. This isn't, this isn't the Julie journey. This is the you by way of Julie's story. Okay, so. And we all have, I mean, to me, it, it, the root of it is shame. You know, That's and right. I've had That's a lot right. of money and I've had no money. And like, there's a heaping pile of shame with both ends of that spectrum. So shame does not discriminate <laughs> whatever is. No, That's right. And, um, and, and that was big for me. And I think that another thing that, that I learned through my process is that, and I I'll just speak for myself because I am and was, and will always kind of be to a degree, this person, but the people who want to appear the most put together are usually the ones that are like just trying their best not to fall apart behind the scenes. Come on. Come and that on. was me. I mean, I was Come just on. like trying to take the threads and like keep them together because I wanted to be perceived as successful and worthy and respected. And, you know, that achievement piece, I wanted to be seen as that. And because I wanted it so badly and I didn't know at the time how to find that within myself. Mm. And so that was the idea of get what you want, because for a very long time in my life, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know how Mm. to get what I want. And I kept trying to change all the externals, hoping that that would then somehow get me what I wanted. And it didn't. And, um, and, and you can, you can white knuckle it to a degree and you can mask to a degree, but eventually I think that we all, if, if that is the road that you're on, you will hit a rock bottom. I hope you hit a rock bottom. And I always Ooh, say, if someone, oh. if someone is going down, get out of the way so they can get as aerodynamic as possible on the way down and crash and burn, because that is where the gift is, because mm. the only way, the only place to go from there is up. And that's where you learn. And I think that by trying to jump in and either catch yourself out of that or even somebody else in your life, you are stealing from them the dignity of having that experience for them to be able to learn. 
So I had to get out of my own way. So there's three foundational principles and you know, I love me some alliteration for awareness, acceptance and action. But before we actually get into like any sort of framework, when you talk about robbing somebody of the dignity of the downward ascension and then their reascension, very similar to like the rising of the Phoenix, I want us to have like a real talk about what that means to accept the dissension, to accept rock bottom or a vision that came to me very clear this past week is that I a few things that happened personally, professionally. And I feel, Julie, that the vision that came to mind was just like everything is burnt. It's like dry and it's barren and it's good, but it's dry and it's barren. And then I I realized that in order for me to have a regrowth and for in order for me to actually be thrusted and forced to change was that moment of it's my opportunity to rise again and do it the way that I want to do it. But if somebody had tried to step in, So where do we get to that moment of acceptance? Like what is somebody who's saying, okay, I am at the bottom or hot dang, I'm not at the bottom and I feel myself going down. What, what do we do? Like, how do we get to acceptance? Yeah. So we can't get to acceptance unless we get to awareness first. So um, Mm. what I learned um, are the three A's and these are actually very well known in therapy groups and recovery circles. Um, They've been around for a long time and I applied them to I still apply them to everything in my life. And when I can do that um, is when I can really get to a place of self acceptance and and really of of serenity. And so the Mm. first of the three A's is awareness. And this is just as being aware and identifying that some kind of problem or dysfunction exists that needs to change. That's it. Mm. I am aware that this is not getting me what I want. I'm aware that this is not getting me to where I want to go. And this needs to change. The next piece is acceptance. You, is it behavioral? Like when you say, because what you, something you just said is like, I'm aware that this isn't getting me where I want to go, or I'm aware that this isn't getting me what I want. But what are we talking about here? Like, are we talking about an emotion? Or are we talking about human to human relationships? Are we talking about a business or All of it. patterns? Uh, it can be, you know, I could, I could even simply say like, I'm aware that when I go meet my mom for lunch, she's always late because I could be annoyed about her being late. So first I would say, okay, I'm aware that she's always late. Then acceptance. Can I accept that she's always late? Okay. So now what am I going to do about it? Am I going to not meet her? Am I going to bring a book with me and wait on her? Like, how can I get myself out of the suffering? Mm. And so that's, it's that first step of, I'm aware that there is some kind of suffering, dysfunction, you know, trigger tick that's happening either within myself or in some experience that I'm having with another person, place, or thing that needs to change. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, very much so. I just feel like there's somebody who's listening and, oh, dang. All right. So. But that's not even the biggest one. The acceptance is, is the biggest one because that's usually the, the one that people want to skip. Girl, it's like you freaking, it's like, it's like you're a podcast host because you know I was going with it because what I'm thinking right now of the listener who all of a sudden is like, I'm going to become aware. Right. I'm going to become aware that the business isn't doing well. Right. I'm going to become aware that the business is not where I want it to be. Right. And so then we get to this level of acceptance. So talk to us there. Yeah. And acceptance is, it's really flipping uncomfortable because this Mm. is the place where you, me, and everyone listening has to come to grips with the idea that, okay, this problem isn't all of me, but this problem is a part of me. This problem began with me and now it's going to end with me. And it doesn't define me just as, you know, no other single 
characteristic of our lives define us, but it is a piece to a jigsaw puzzle in our lives that no longer fits and it needs to be removed. And it's up to me to do that. It's not his fault, her fault out there. It is, it's here. And this is really about keeping the focus on ourselves and accepting our part to play, even if it's just 1%, because we always have a part to play. Mm. Okay. So the business owner, right. So the business owner who became aware that the business is not where it's supposed to be, they're not exactly happy with the outcome. Right. That is at first the awareness. And then the acceptance was that the business started with you and changes in the business, changes to the previous chapter end with you and changes to the next chapter start with you. So let's get into action. Yep. And so action is just, that's the plan. That's the plan we put in place to restore and really recover and to get those things that have kind of been lost in the dysfunction back. And with Mm. action, this is where we get clarity, confidence, self-esteem, balance, hope, serenity, peace, excitement, joy. This is where all of that comes from. But you can't get there until you are aware of the problem, you accept what it is, and then you decide, okay, now what am I going to do about it? Mm. So you're writing this book and like, who are you, who are you writing it for? Who's in the forefront of your mind? Who's going to be walking through a bookstore and picking it up? Yeah. You know, I think of, I think of a woman that's probably very similar to how I was that day at the kitchen table that she's sick and tired of being sick and tired. She's sick of hiding herself and expecting to be seen Mm. Mm. and, and waiting you know, for this magic day, this magic person, this magic experience, whatever it is to kind of come in and make. So she's sick of hiding and she's waiting to be seen. Like, yeah, like she's expecting it. It's like, I'm showing up, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but nothing's changing. And it's like, well, why is nothing changing? And what's your part in the fact that nothing's changing? It's like with, with my story, I could have said, you know, like, why is my PR business not growing? And why is this happening? It's like, well, because you're, hiding $30,000 of credit card debt and lying about it. Like, hello, you expect Mm. your life to be hunky dory when you've got this thing. And maybe it's not something that big for somebody else, but it's going back to what you said earlier, Jasmine, about what is that thing? What is that thing that you're so afraid to admit either to yourself or other people? What is that shame ridden thing? What are you so terrified of? What are you so afraid of that is keeping you from really allowing yourself to crack open and be seen by the world and to shine? What is that for you? And so that's what I mean by that. Like you, you can't hide yourself and then expect to be seen. And expectation is nothing but a premedited, uh, a pre-medited, premeditated resentment anyways. Okay, say it again. Expectation is nothing but a premeditated resentment, period. We are premeditating a resentment that we are going to have over a person, place, thing, or idea by expecting something to be something that it's not. That was like a podcast clip if I've ever heard one. That right there, Queen. I was like, this is the story we will use to promote that podcast. Hot dang. Yeah. Wow. And when I and premeditated, premeditated resentment. Talk about a cloud of negativity. Mm-hmm. Expectation is premeditated resentment. It's like you're expecting to be resentful for the thing. Dang, girl. Right. I, I'm expecting you, Jasmine, to be someone you're not. And when you're not who I make up and tell myself you are, I resent you. Mm. And then okay. guess what? It's not my responsibility. It's Jasmine. So then that's the payoff is that 
the focus is not on us. The problem is not for ours, for us to try to give over or change or figure out. The problem remains out there, which means we don't have to take accountability, which means we get to stay in the cycle of suffering. And this queen, which is why the book was freaking written, is that what is stopping us from reaching our highest level of self-awareness, self-love, self-acceptance, and just straight out success is that we can't let go of the baggage and then we expect to get through the door. And like, no, you are not entitled to do that. Okay. Right. Okay. So um, without giving any names, what are some stories of people who you've navigated and saw? Because the part of the reason you wrote the book is because you've worked with so many, a variety of very successful, very powerful, very over-the-top amazing women, but it was a series of them letting go of the baggage. What's like a story that comes up for you to be like, these are the principles that work and these are the results. Cause oftentimes people hear it and be like, must be nice for yes, them. Yes. So, um, and I, I talk about this in, in the book there, there's an incredible woman named Nicole that I had the honor of coaching a couple of years ago. And she, um, she shared this really beautiful story about how she is third generation Latina in America. Her grandmother actually almost put her mother up almost aborted her mother. Her mother had to prostitute herself in order to make money to put food on the table for the kids. And this caused this cycle of belief systems in Nicole that, you know, and, and kind of a different story of mine, but like the same belief, it's never enough. Everything has to be a struggle. You know, people are out to get you. Money is bad. Money is evil. No one's ever going to help you. You have to do it all yourself. You know, all of these belief systems. And when she was able to really start to see how she was letting her origin story define her current reality, it was like phew, light bulbs went off. And she became aware of that. She became aware that she's like, I'm kind of living my grandmother's story. And like my grandmother already went through that. So I didn't have to go through that. My mother already went through that. So I didn't have to go through that. And so how can I actually not waste the opportunity that I have now? How can I actually honor where I came from and the path that was laid out before me by, by allowing myself to think bigger, by allowing myself to be more expansive, by allowing myself to really see my part to play in what has been limiting me. And so from that, she built this incredible social media strategy agency. She's been making, you know, multi six figures in revenue. Um, her mother now works at the very clinic that her grandmother almost took her to, to a border. And so she, now mm. she's giving back to these incredible women. And it's just a really beautiful story of healing that really came from Nicole unlocking her origin story and really starting to understand what awareness, acceptance and action was in her life and not being so chained to these ideas of, you know, where we came from. So therefore we have to keep living in those limiting belief systems. Mm. So we talk about the mother, daughter, grandmother relationship. And here in a way you had made mention of your gorgeous, amazing, powerful mom who often runs late and the acceptance and then your action thereafter but you kind of typify what it means to rewrite a narrative or take ownership of it and change it. What do you hope that your daughter learns and implements that is different from what you have done? I hope she sees the bigger what ifs that she has in her life and knows that she can actually go forward with it. That she not only believes in what's possible, but she believes that she's worthy of that possibility. And I think that that starts with me giving her bigger what ifs. How so? I was given. 
being from where I'm from, it was scary for people to think big. It was scary for people to move out of that small town. It was scary for people to have big dreams. It was scary for people to be entrepreneurs. My mom, my mom would always say, why aren't you satisfied in your corporate job, which gives you, gives you healthcare that I never had and gives you a 401k that mm-hmm. I never had. And get, it was all my mom's fears of, mm-hmm. you know, my mom had to hustle to put food on the table. She had no college degree. She had no background. She had nothing to fall on. And she didn't want me to have to struggle the way that she did. And so even though I can have compassion for that and honor where that comes from, you know, it's kind of like, I see you, but don't put your issues on me. <laughs> like, that's not mine. And so I think that me remembering that in myself is like my, whatever my limitations are, whatever my scarcity mindset may be that I have to work through to be very mindful, to be very aware, to mm. not put that on my own daughter. And even in our own society, I just, I think that it, it is my job. And if I can just do this, even if it's just a little bit, if I can give you know, I think about, and Jasmine, I'm sure you have, you know, this kind of feeling come up. I think about the women that come through my communities that I have the honor of coaching and I see how, how fast they can have transformations. And I think about like, what if I would have gotten started with them sooner? What if when they were in second grade or third grade or fourth grade, Mm -hmm. they started hearing these ideas, they started knowing what was possible. They started believing in this ifness that was infinite. What would happen? What would have changed? And, you know, I think that we all need to go through what we need to go through because it makes us who we are. But if I could have any type of impact on my daughter or her generation, it would be to let those little girls know that they are infinite and their possibilities are infinite. And that, that is what I need to focus on with her. Mm-hmm. Julie, your book, Get What You Want, is just the first of many. And I hope that the second one has a title called Infinite Ifness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> thank you for expanding my, selfishly, my horizons and bringing so much more awareness to the ownership that I have in every decision I make and the ability to rewrite a story. And thank you for inspiring me to action. And I hope that I am just one of many people who are listening who are actually going to take inventory of what might be the baggage have the courage to let it go and also have the action of buying your book. Obviously I'm promoting it because I believe in you. I believe in what you do. I believe in what you say wholeheartedly. And I know that you're going to over deliver. I adore you. Where can people go to get more information on everything you do as well as your book? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, get what you want is available as of June 7th, wherever books are sold. Um, also if you are like my husband who does not read a thing, but listens to everything (laughs) and you're an audible listener, you can definitely pick it up on audible. I recorded that last month. I had a wonderful time doing that. So I highly recommend either picking it up wherever books are sold or on audible. You can go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want to find all the various retailers there. Also, if you buy from from that page, wherever you buy and you let us know, um, send us a screenshot of your receipt. You're going to be invited to a free virtual class that I'm going to be doing later this summer. It's a deep dive workshop into a lot of what I share in the book. And then, of course, the Influencer Podcast. I'm there every Wednesday. Um, throwing it down. I love, I love the podcast community. It's been amazing. Five years strong, which is insane to think. Um, and then of course my website, juliesolomon.net to find anything else. And then I typically hang out on Instagram and that's at Jules, J-U-L-S Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Julie, I adore you. I love you to bits and pieces. Love you. Congrats on a future bestseller. Thank you. Thank you.